Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're very excited to have a show today where we're introducing a a senior international correspondent to Manufacturing Talk Radio, uh, who we happen to have met out at the ISM conference uh, when we were out in Phoenix, Arizona. That's our 100th anniversary conference. Um, Had a lot of great discussion, uh, and I will go through uh, her uh, introduction and her credentials in just a minute. After I uh, chat a moment here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. Lou, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And uh, this is our second show today. This is the first time that we're doing a back-to-back show. So this is exciting. And we have a, you know, Professor uh, Sanford is a great uh, guest to have on the show. And uh, we expect to have some uh, very interesting uh, conversation with her. So uh, let's uh, fire away. Uh, I'd like to introduce uh, our uh, new uh, senior international correspondent for corporate compliance and ethics, uh, Professor Adriana Sanford. Uh, professor Sanford is a clinical associate professor in the Department of Management of uh, Arizona State University's W.P. Carey School of Business. She specializes in law, international management, leadership, and business, business ethics for managers. She also teaches in the W.P. Carey Supply Chain Management Department. Uh, Professor Sanford is ASU's Lincoln Professor of Global Corporate Compliance and Ethics to 85,000 students. Uh, We are very pleased to have her as our Senior International Correspondent for Manufacturing Talk Radio. Professor, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me and allowing me to collaborate with you. Well, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, We're looking forward to a conversation today really about data protection. And let me start out with this question, Professor. What's the difference between data protection protection and cyber security well cyber security is a broader term and we have had a lot of concerns with regards to cyber security the you know the hack attacks and right. the breaches that are going on and data protection is basically what we're looking at is a method of actually um, providing more uh, strengthening individual rights and tackling some of those challenges. The data protection reform that's coming up right now is the EU's data protection regulation, which is expected to take place uh, in 2016. So data protection, when we talk about data protection, we're talking about how to strengthen our individual rights of privacy and how to make it safer for companies, executives, uh, the supply chain, to be able to collaborate. Now, I do want to mention that Professor Sanford's, one of her specialties is international comparative law. Uh, she has her uh, uh, Juris Doctoral. She has two LLMs, which are master's degrees in law. Uh, why don't uh, you take a moment, Professor Sanford, and give us, give our listeners a little bit about your background uh, and a little bit about uh, all of the uh, degrees that and the things that you do. Sure. I'm, I'm. Well, as you mentioned, I have six years of law. I have a JD, Juris Doctorate, from Notre Dame, and I have a dual LLM in tax and international comparative law from Georgetown University. I'm also an ASU alum. I My bachelor's was in political science. 
And my focus has been primarily international comparative law, looking at the laws of different countries and how they may affect or sometimes conflict with each other and how important it is for executives and for multinationals when making decisions if they are out in the in the global environment to look at things and make decisions with a global lens because any decision they make can have serious ramifications on executives and on countries uh, in other regions. So what I look at are issues of like the new and diverse uh, anti-counterfeiting, anti-corruption, anti-money laundering laws, as well as a data protection reform and how certain new legislation may affect or conflict uh, with other legislation and what to do in those cases. For example, our Foreign and Corrupt Practices Act is different from the UK Bribery Act. And that is very different from some of the other laws that are coming out now in with regards to corruption, such as Brazil's law. So we talk about and we analyze how they differ and how executives can protect themselves because sometimes the training they're given is not sufficient and they're sent out into some of these countries where they may end up with a ethical dilemma. Now, when you're talking about strengthening human rights and the uh, laws coming up in Europe, can you give our listeners kind of an explanation of, of what that means? Sure. Well, w- there's two different issues. One is human rights, and there's new, no right now we're seeing um, a push for more transparency with regards to human right-related risks in the global supply chain. And the other topic is individual rights, individual rights of privacy. We've seen the last uh, few months, we've seen a lot of hack attacks, and there are a lot of breaches, and and there's a lot of concern as to how to approach this, what to do. In the EU, they believe in the right to privacy. The right to privacy is a fundamental basic human right. So they are now, they've come up with a proposal for a data protection regulation. And that's different from what they currently have, which is a data protection directive. The directive, the current directive that's in place, are basically guidelines that all of these 28 EU countries have adopted in some way and apply them to their own laws. But this is not binding like a regulation. The regulation that's expected to come out in 2016 is going to be binding on all 28 countries, and it's all going to be one-stop shop. If you know what's going on in, in England, you know what's going on in France, you know what's going on in Italy. The laws are not going to differ as they do today. So these things are very important for our multinationals, especially our in-house counsel and our compliance office, because they're constantly trying to keep up with the laws and the guidelines. It's going to be a lot easier when the regulation comes out next year. That's one of the changes. Um, Another change is the 24-hour notice or shorter notice when you have a hack attack or a breach. In the U.S., if you notice, some companies, you you hear about the, the breach you know, a month later, others mm-hmm. in two weeks. And right. we have a patchwork system in this country. Basically, different states have different laws, and they're trying to protect their residents from hack attacks and the cybersecurity threats. The problem is we don't have federal legislation. And in Europe, what they're doing is they're trying to get um, regulation that will be broad enough 
to cover this issue. Uh, so they're the, it's going to have a uh, broader extraterritorial reach uh, than it does right now. It's going to actually affect not only companies with branches and offices and subsidiaries in the EU, but any company that provides goods or services through the Internet to the EU or anyone who is monitoring EU citizens. So this is going to affect a lot more of our companies, non-EU businesses. And not only is that reach going to be further, but also the requirements of what to do. For example, you're going to have to have a data protection officer if you have 250 employees or more. And that person is going to make sure that data is kept confidential and anything that's personal, especially with regards to an EU citizen, is not disclosed, be that on the Internet or be that in an intra-company situation. For example, you may have a headquarter in the United States and the subsidiary may be in the EU. If you transfer an employee to the United States, HR may then want their file or may want certain information or if that employee has done something wrong. Traditionally, that information would be passed in the company without any issues. After this regulation comes out, it's going to be more limiting. You're going to need to know what the purpose is for transferring that data. It's going to have to be very limited in scope, and you're going to need a data protection officer making sure that that does not get out of hand and that their privacy is protected. Uh, Professor Sanford, uh, several weeks ago we had, uh, I think, two shows on uh, cybersecurity, and we talked about um, all aspects of it. Uh, you're talking here uh, mainly so far, we talked about new laws and regulations uh, on a national and international basis. That, that's, that's all well and good for after the crime has been committed. Uh, I guess my question is, are the new laws and regulations that are going to be going into effect uh, address a significant, quote-unquote, punishment for those who are doing cyber attacks. Yes, it's, 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 it goes a lot further because there are principles in this new regulation that are principle of uh, privacy by design and privacy by default, which the, these principles basically say when you're designing something new, you have to think about what, what if this happens. And all your defaults have to be at the very high level so that if there is a breach, you've done everything possible to avoid a breach. There are certainly heftier penalties. Um, and, and like I said, you've got a data protection officer in place that's going to be monitoring and specifically looking at these issues, which doesn't, in a lot of companies, does not exist right now. Hewlett-Packard has one, but there are several companies, especially in the United States, this is a new area. And I always tell my students, if you're looking for a job, this is where you should go. This is one of the hot areas coming in, in the future. Uh, and, and this law not only is going to affect those EU countries, it's going to affect us here because the second they notify the, the EU of a breach, let's say it's 24 hours or maybe they change it to 48 hours or 72, we're not sure because it's still – you know, they're still working on this regulation, but we definitely know it's going to be a shorter notice. Well, the second that notice is given, people in the EU have Facebook. They have social media. So we're going to find out about it. There's also the news. There's also radio. There's TV. So in the United States, we'll find out about it a lot quicker 
when they have to comply with this new regulation in the EU. Also, another issue is the framework is expected to be adopted by other countries and other regions around the globe. In Africa, in Latin America, Argentina adopted the last one. So we're going to see changes throughout the region and throughout the world. Professor, in terms of uh, how you keep up on all of this, and I can't imagine how you do it, it it certainly uh, looks challenging because you've got a law coming into effect in Europe, it looks like in 2016, uh, that is going to uh, layer over the 28 members of the EU. You don't have such a law, as I understand it from you, in the United States. Uh, How do you uh, uh, reconcile the conflicts within the law to work with a multinational corporation who's now, uh, you know, looking at their legal department and going, how do we, how do we figure out how to navigate this? That's a good question, and that is a very serious question, and it actually is something that keeps many in-house counsel <laughs> awake at night and <laughs> many executives awake because the problem is sometimes there are conflicts. And the multinationals and the executives are caught in the middle. For example, Microsoft. Microsoft has their headquarters in the U.S., but they also have uh, their facility in Dublin. And not too long ago, the U.S. government asked for certain emails in connection with a drug investigation that was going on. And Microsoft said, we can't give you those emails from Dublin before we take certain steps because of the directive, the EU Data Protection Directive. Uh, in the end, what happened is they ended up going to court, and the, U- the court in the U.S. said, you must turn it over. Well, the problem is if they turn it over, they're going to have this issue with the EU, and they're going to have penalties and may, ne- may later on not be able to work in the EU. So we do have companies caught in the middle. We have Verizon actually lost the contract with the government of Germany because the government of Germany was not sure that they could comply with their requirements. So we're seeing more and more companies that are concerned as to the steps. And what we really need is we need collaboration between the EU and the U.S., collaboration across the Atlantic on these issues. Um, it's the same issue with Yahoo. Yahoo's very concerned. They understand the new regulation is coming, and they're asking if they, if the EU can just provide them what the steps are but not the process. Because if the process is detailed, Yahoo will need to apply this not only in the EU, but to all of its members all over the world. And it's going to be a major change for that company. So there are a lot of different concerns that these companies are having, and the executives are concerned, and the in-house counsel is extremely concerned. Because in some cases, the laws conflict, and you will either be found to have criminal liability in another country, or you can be disbarred in the United States if you don't follow their laws. So you're placed between a rock and a hard place. And at that point, your own, you know, basic ethics has to kick in and, and say, you know, what what's important and how do I handle this? It's very, very difficult, it which is why it's great. one of my passions. <laughs> yeah, really you're also, your expertise is in Latin America and South America. Uh, what is happening there in terms of data protection for the individual that uh, that also either uh, dovetails or conflicts with perhaps the EU law as it kicks into place? Well, right now, a lot of those countries are waiting to see what's happening with the EU. Out of all the countries in Latin America, the one that seems to be ahead of the game is Argentina. 
Argentina adopted a lot of the directive and is expected to adopt a lot of the regulation as well of the new EU data protection regulation. The EU has always been on the forefront for a lot of these laws and uh, frameworks for other countries. For example, the Know Your Customer, which we use in banking, came from the EU. The Gatekeepers Initiative, which basically says if you are a lawyer or you are an accountant and you suspect money laundering, you must disclose it or you yourself can be criminally liable. That comes from the EU. We in the U.S. didn't adopt that, but these other countries did. Um, other examples, Brazil right now just had new laws in place. The issue is a lot of these countries adopt new laws, but enforcement is a different issue. So a country may have certain laws, but the way they enforce it uh, either it's not enforced or it's not as clear-cut as it is in the U.S., which makes it very, very inconvenient and very scary for multinationals and executives. Professor, let me ask you, this is a little off-topic, uh, but it has to do with Brazil. Brazil has gone through a, uh, a new election. The former president was re-elected. Uh, Petrobras, which is the international oil company for Brazil, that's owned by the government, uh, seems to be in a world of hurt with all kinds of uh, schemes and scams. Uh, as you look uh, across that landscape, uh, what is happening from your perspective in getting all this ironed out so that Brazil can, can begin to do business uh, again on a global scale? Well, Brazil adopted a few years ago a zero tolerance for corporate corruption. And this was after 2007, October 2007, there were several uh, raids, and uh, you had a lot of tax agents and federal police storm into companies, arrest, you know, with search warrants uh, on issues of tax avoidance, uh, tax evasion. Since then, a lot of changes have been made. They have a new, in 2014, they actually developed new anti-corruption laws. And those laws are different from the laws in the U.S., from our FCPA laws, Foreign and Corrupt Practices Act, and mm -hmm. from the U.K. Bribery Act. They're actually stronger in some ways because intent is not – you don't need to look at intent. You basically have criminal liability um, not only for the individual, which is what they had before, but now also liability for the companies. But it's not only for bribery, but it is also if you – um, if you try to hide information from a government investigation, if you, if you know that somebody is hiding that information, there's a whole bunch of other things in their new law that are, makes it strong. The problem is enforcement. We're not there yet with enforcement. And what they, depending on the issue and the industry and your region, it depends on who's going to enforce that law. In the United States, we have the DOJ and the SEC. We know what agencies will oversee Foreign and Corrupt Practices Act. In Brazil, you're not sure which municipality, which location, who will be doing it. And the issue with Petrobras and what's going on is you have the nine horsemen there. And basically what they have found, I'm not sure exactly the number, but I think it's around 230 companies um, have been involved in this. And they're slowly going through the process of trying to figure out what to do with this corruption. So on a good note, there is hope. 
there's once we actually start seeing more enforcement, um, I think it will be a better place uh, for our companies. And um, you know, they're they're taking a lot of good steps in the right direction. Give me a couple. Oh, go ahead, Lou. I was just going to ask if uh, Professor Sanford does much traveling, particularly down in uh, South America. I would love to do more traveling. I I right now teach between 1,200 and 1,400 students. So they take a lot of my time, and it's very hard to get away. Um, I Skype well, we, we do regular. have 20. We do have 24 hours in a day. We do. <laughs> we totally do, and and which is wonderful because I Skype on a basic weekly basis with the EU, uh, the chief technology officer of Hewlett-Packard in the EU, who actually gives me quite a bit of information on what's going on with the new regulation, and uh, several other multinationals in the EU and in Latin America, we Skype regularly, and that helps. That helps yep. to obtain the information and, and get a global perspective of how everything is affecting each country and our multinationals. Professor, you've mentioned on a couple of occasions the liability issues and criminal liability issues for corporations here in the U.S. for activities that are occurring overseas. Can you give us a couple of examples of that? Well, that occurs, yes, I can give you some some very strong examples. For example, uh, Malaysia, Singapore, Mm -hmm. uh, there are certain countries where money laundering if you do not disclose money laundering, these countries, their laws, they give you your very own money laundering offense. So if you happen to be a senior executive and you know that it's going on, or let's say it happened before you came in but you found out about it, even if it wasn't on your watch and you don't disclose it, you get your very own money laundering offense. There are several countries that are like that. So you have to be, when you take on a new role, you need to be aware of the laws in those countries, not only the laws in the U.S. And I always tell my my students, don't rely on the in-house counsel to do that work for you because that in-house counsel may have so much on their plate that they may think they know the law and all of a sudden it's changed and you're the one that has a criminal liability. Well, Especially when uh, we're dealing with tax, you know, evasion, money laundering, bribery. You know, these issues, the the key executives, the senior executives can be liable. Uh, anybody beyond the senior executive level, can middle managers get caught up in this? Absolutely. It can be depending on your role. Your managers can get caught up. Everyone can get caught up depending on what they know and depending on the laws in that country. Your in-house counsel. And I suppose even some of the supply chain folks could uh, end up in hot water. Yes, yes. And even now more so with regards to human right-related risks and the transparency uh, that is required, You're going, they're going to start going after those third parties. And if you want to uh, learn a little bit more about these kind of subjects, uh, uh, Professor, you have a new book that's coming out, do you not? I do. Uh, we have jointly authored a book called Business Ethics, A Guide to Surviving Storms, Challenges, and Ethical Risks. And that has been jointly authored uh, with Bruce Zagaris, who is an attorney in Washington, D.C., with Brad Holcomb, who recently won the 2015 uh, 
Jay Shipman, gold medal from ISM, and with Wilfred Grumman, who is the Chief Technology Officer for Hewlett-Packard in the EU. And many of you who listen to our show on a regular basis uh, are familiar with Brad. He presents the Manufacturing Report on Business every month. It comes out on the first uh, business day of the month, and Brad is usually on within a day or two after that, going down to that report in a great deal of detail. So we had an opportunity to talk with Brad along with Professor Sanford when we were out at the ISM conference in, uh, in Phoenix. Uh, Professor, anything else that we want to touch on in terms of this data protection issue before we have to wrap up this show? Well, I would just say that uh, there is hope for us in our hack attacks, and it's coming. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's it's going to be here sooner than you think. And in in that hope is that uh, because corporations are, are working more closely with software providers to squelch these attacks, or they're simply more aware of them, so they're more on top of them, uh, so they can respond to them much faster? Well, there's, 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 going, there's hope because, first of all, there's hope for the individual and the consumers because there's going to be that 24-hour or shorter notice. There's hope for the multinationals and these executives, the compliance personnel, because it's going to be a one-stop shop. They're not going to have to go to all these different countries that they're doing business with in the EU. There'll be one assigned uh, country or person in that country. So if I'm doing business with France, Spain, and Italy, I'm going to be given one person that I have to tell. So it's going to be a lot easier. Plus, as we mentioned, we're not going to have to deal with the laws from each one of those countries because this is going to be binding and the same on all of them. So from a financial point of view, from efficiency you know, point of view, um, it's, it's going to be better for everyone. Professor, is any of that happening in the United States at the federal level? At the federal level right now, Obama has spoken about some changes. He has spoken about maybe having a 30-day notice uh, for breaches. But right now, I think with what's happening in the EU, that will affect us, and we will find out sooner. Uh, He has also mentioned a need to really protect our students because our students have – you know, their laptops and so much at stake that they're looking at maybe doing some kind of special regulation for our students in this area. Uh, Professor Sanford, uh, I enjoyed the show. I really appreciate your being on here. We look forward to you uh, coming back uh, for future shows. Uh, If anybody would like to reach out to you uh, by email or website, would you like to give our listeners that uh, information at this time? Sure. My well, my email address is my name, Adriana dot Sanford at ASU dot edu. Uh, I can reach at Arizona State University. <laughs> terrific. And any of you who have not uh, heard the entire show, uh, if you would like to hear this again or download it, you certainly can do so by going to mfgtalkradio.com in about thirty minutes from now which would be uh, about 3 o'clock Eastern time or 12 noon West Coast time. Uh, Tim? We are going to have Professor Sanford on the show on a regular basis uh, going forward. She is our uh, senior international uh, correspondent for corporate compliance and ethics, a very important area, and and after hearing her, you can understand why. Uh, There is a lot of liability. There's there's certainly teeth in this dog if you... uh, crossed the line and didn't maybe you didn't even realize you crossed the line so 
I think everybody has to be aware of it, and I think one place to get that information uh, very well is at Manufacturing Talk Radio. Uh, Professor, thank you for being with us today, and thank you for joining us as our senior international correspondent. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. I look forward to hearing from you later in in the future. (laughs) We will certainly have you on uh, on many future shows, but that wraps us up for today on Manufacturing Talk Radio. We'll be back with you next Tuesday when we have uh, another upcoming show. Check on our website at www.mfgtalkradio.com for subject matter and guests, and we look forward to speaking with you again then. That wraps us up for Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.